0: This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast.
1: 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all Everybody them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam.
0: Thanks for checking out the Coaches Show. I'm Brian Billick and my partner, Steve Mariucci. Before we get started here, Steve, we talked about it a little bit before we went on air. I came away a little wanting this weekend. I, I didn't feel it was good football. We saw a lot of great plays and obviously some good wins. But I don't know that I came away feeling, other than maybe the Patriots and the good wins, going, okay, yeah, this, team, this team's catching fire. This is a good football team. I can kind of see where we're going right now. I just I was kind of left wanting.
1: Yeah, and uh, the Patriots probably were the ones that said, hmm, we're going to flex our muscles against the number one defense and crush these guys. And then I think you're right. After that, you know, I thought San Francisco would blow out the Redskins. That didn't happen. They had to put a drive together to win that thing. And then the Cardinals, uh, you know, they, they didn't play very well up there in Seattle. Who does? But, uh, yeah, I. It, if you had to pick a Super Bowl guy, a team right now, it's maybe the Patriots and who knows who else because – it's everybody's
0: so inconsistent. The one, even though they didn't overwhelm the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, and we talked about before about how they, they have had problems in Minnesota. But the Green Bay Packers and obviously Aaron Rodgers, we can go on forever about Aaron Rodgers, but they've not had a presence at running back like Eddie Lacey since forever. To me, that's a game-changer. That could be the team now, their defense, and they've got uh, uh, Matthews in the middle. And, but I think to go with because we know Aaron Rodgers is going to th- continue to throw for a million yards. He's, what? He's 45, yeah. now 47 touchdowns to five interceptions. That's just an ungodly combination. Bad. But Eddie Lacy is the thing that makes me think, you know what? He could be the game-changer for the Packers now.
1: I know and, and then when I when I coached there with Brett Favre, you know, Brett always had a balanced offense it seemed, you know, guys like Amon Green, Dorsey Levens, Edgar Bennett, they they ran the ball quite a bit. And they haven't had that really with Dorsey Levins until like you said now with with Eddie Lacey and he came out of the gate last year as a rookie, made the rookie of the year on offense and and he's the banger. You gotta have that guy in Green yeah. Bay when the weather's awful and it's usually awful. And nowadays in December and Thanksgiving time. And so, um, yeah, I, this team is kind of fun. Aaron Rodgers was only 3-3 three and three going to Minnesota uh, in his career. Uh, and it was a tough game for him. Mike Zimmer played a heck of a game on defense. But, of course, the Packers, like you said, they're one of the, they're one of the teams to watch.
0: And the Denver Broncos, when you, when you sat watching the game, And it felt like Miami, particularly in the first half, was controlling everything. You thought, you know what? Denver could get beaten here. And that was going to be substantial if they got beat at home by Miami. Now, obviously, the second half and then Peyton gets going. You go back, you look at the drive chart. They never stopped Denver other than the, they, they punted, I think virtually every series they either scored a touchdown, kicked a field goal, missed a field goal. The point being they got into scoring position, I'm talking about Denver now, and ended up you know dominating the time of play and all that. It didn't feel that that way watching it although Peyton down the stretch, but the big thing that jumped out at me was we always know and we've talked a lot about Peyton he's going to check the box and yeah, they'll run the ball if you want to give them a light box and configure yourself defensively to not throw the ball. They seemed more committed with 200 yards rushing they, they didn't matter what the ball they called and ran the ball and i've not seen them do that as of late
1: well they needed to do that because they you know they're running out of running backs right brian you know before the season starts to get rid of no sean marino and then Monty ball and and uh ronnie hillman get hurt and so this young kid cj anderson from cal undrafted guy he's all of a sudden carrying the load Maybe it's the system. No, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, right? They they did move the ball up and down the field, and they needed to because the game before they didn't even reach the red zone against the Rams, and so uh, it only scored seven points. So there there's that inconsistency again. Uh, you know, the Denver's losses are all on the road. Um, I was a little concerned about them getting. Really humiliated by the Rams because they couldn't get anything going. It seemed, but uh, I think they're going to be one of those teams that's better at home and a uh, little iffy on the road. But certainly one of the good teams in the league. We expected a lot from them going into this. Well, season.
0: they've got they've got at the Chiefs this next week, so that that will be game. a good t- test test and, and a tough one, obviously for Kansas City. That'd be tough for them to lose that one. Then they got the Bills, then they got the Chargers and the Bengals on the road. So we're going to know about Denver. On the road, that challenge yeah. that you and I are talking about by season's end, given that schedule.
1: Well, that Kansas City game, because the last time yeah. they played at Denver and Kansas City was knocking at the door at the end to win that thing, and so, but gosh, Kansas City didn't look very good on Thursday night against the Raiders. Now that was a weird game, uh, rainy and yeah, it was. I give, I tip my hat to the Raiders; they were pretty, pretty good and playing hard. But Kansas City didn't look like the team to beat that night. But maybe they were looking ahead. The last time the Kansas City Chiefs were looking ahead to the Broncos, they lost a home game to Tennessee, for God's sakes, at home. Same
0: scenario, yeah.
1: Yeah, so maybe they're going to be up for this game. They need to be to keep uh, keep up with Denver.
0: Let, let's uh, well, you brought it up earlier. The Forty ers didn't look particularly good. Seattle, but at home against. Let's handicap that NFC West a little bit right? when it's all said and done. In fact, that they're all playing one another as we go down the the, the stretch yeah. here, uh, which is good because the you know Seahawks have got to play the Forty ers twice. They got to play at the Eagles, which I think is going to be huge because you could be talking you know playoff potential in terms of elimination even to get into the playoffs and maybe home field all that let's let's handicap that division right now R- right up front who who do you think who who would you pick to win the division right now okay, even so though you're talking about the Carolina, the cardinals sitting there at 9 and 2 now so did you get one of these did you get one of these uh
1: uh, schedules for every team from our crack research yeah. staff. No, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I am not i am
0: not i do not get that, that so, good stuff that you guys get. I have to actually do yeah, my own, uh,
1: information. So, so I went through it with a fine tooth comb and I'm looking at everybody's schedules and they're going to play each other and beat each other and oh boy. So here's what I, so I figured it out. Now I want you to keep this
0: tape. Okay. All right, let is me that, write, that. I'm going to write that down. That's good.
1: Write, write, write that down. This dip
0: really? okay.
1: is how it's going to end.
0: And yeah, so does one US. of those 11 and fives for the, this is radio, so we'll have you got Arizona going 12 and four, you've got Seattle 11 and five, 4. San Francisco 11 and five, and you've got St. Louis at seven and nine? Do both yeah. those 11 and five Seattle and San Francisco teams make the playoffs? No. one, no. Of, them, one of them's not going to no. make it.
1: Remember a few years ago when uh, Tom Brady got hurt, and Matt Castle went eleven five. They didn't make the playoffs over there in the AFC. So that, uh, they're not going to both make the playoffs because you're going to have the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, probably both going. Because I've got I've got uh, let me put my glasses on here, Brian. I've got Arizona winning the next game at Atlanta. Yeah. Right. Okay. There's I, a bold I, pick. Easy. Okay. Okay. So so then I have them beating Kansas City at home because now, it's, it's a at tough home. game, uh-huh, but it's they're at home. home. Uh huh. And then I have them beating the Rams. Uh-huh. Now, you know it's it's at St. Louis. It'll be a tough game. It's a Thursday night game. But I just I just uh, I think they can win those three. If they win those three, it doesn't matter if they lose to Seattle and San Francisco right. after that. Right. Okay, which I I think those two teams could beat them. So if they win twelve games, they're going to be in. Why? Because I think Seattle and San Francisco, Brian, will split. Split. Home. And home.
0: home team winning.
1: Yeah. And so that puts them, you know, going 4 and 1. Both of those teams going 4 and 1, the remainder of the season putting them at 11 and 5, game over. That's what I see. Now, St. Louis, they might be 7 and 9 or 6 and 10. That doesn't matter. But I the way I see it, if uh the, you know, teams that are favored win like they're supposed to, the Cardinals should be 12 and 4. What a year that would be.
0: Okay, so let me okay, so it goes down that way. I'm with you. And that's all cuz that just tells us the seeding If it goes the way you said, who's the best team in the NFC West? Not who's the (laughs) highest rated, but who you're going to put your your... record says you are. Okay, so so if your paychecks on it, you're going to take Arizona over Seattle and San Francisco.
1: Yeah, only because they are two games ahead right now with five games to play and they would have to essentially have a minor collapse. Okay, I'm not saying how
0: they finish. I'm with you on that. I'm saying we're now in the playoffs. And Seattle and or San Francisco have to go to Arizona. Who wins the game? Mm. See, now now you hesitate. I'm with you because I I tell you what, Drew Stanton, that's fine. We all know what he is. He's still a backup quarterback, and they still can't run the ball. I I just can't see that formula doing well in the playoffs.
1: Well, I don't think they're going to go to Arizona right away because the Cardinals will probably have a home home, uh, bye. Mm -hmm. They probably will have a bye. And the 49ers or the Seahawks will probably have to travel to maybe Green Bay. (laughs) Nobody wants to travel to limbo in the playoffs. Boy, it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, Seattle and San Francisco getting in. They just got to get in. Right Right now, they're on thin ice. They have to just get in. They're both good enough to win this thing, but they have to get in.
0: Okay, let's go go back to your 49ers here. Obviously, they're playing great defense. And to get – Alden Smith back to go with Justin Smith, and it's, it's huge. And that, that defense is as advertised. has been good all year long. They were good on defense the other day, obviously. It was sure. the offense. So how much better are they going to be offensively? I mean, they've got a good offensive line. They've got two running backs. I know it's all Kaepernick. Is San Francisco going to come out of this kind of funk they're in right now?
1: I don't know because their defense has played well even without – Alden Smith you know how, how much better are they going to be he got a couple of sacks he's a heck of a player we all know that but I, I, I'm worried about their offense scoring enough points now they're a little bit lucky in that some of the playoff teams in the NFC don't score a lot of points like like Arizona right Seattle you know they're defensive minded teams so the the offense to me I'm try, I'm trying to figure them out what are they you know, uh, who are they? And, and uh, Anquan Bolden's a beast. We know that. Crabtree can be good. Cap is up and down. He'll miss some throws that make you shake your head. Gore and or Carlos Hyde are beast, running the football. But I don't know what, what kind of offense they run. It's kind of a mishmash to me. It's a little bit of this, little bit of that, and provides no consistency to me.
0: And I don't know. I still, I still just have got a man crush on Colin Kaepernick. I just think you his do? throwing action... I wish I wish they could just take a year and say we don't care if we win or lose we're going to let him throw it 600 times we're going to we're going to have him grow as a quarterback cuz I think he just has that special arm I don't know about his decision making and all those things that you but I don't think we know because it, 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 the inconsistency of the style that they're playing and they're doing what they yeah. got to do to win games I get that and yeah. so I'm just I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head here but his pure physical skills. I just get mesmerized yeah. by the way this guy throws. And Seattle, you know, they're okay. The Legion of Boom's back. They had the, the group meeting and Pete, and we all, you know, we dog cussed one another and we're okay now, and that's why we played well. <laughs> well, they played a mediocre Arizona offense. I don't know that that there's that they're back defensively. And obviously, offensively, it's the same with uh, we all love Russell Wilson and they're in beast mode and they can probably get on a nice run, but. I don't know that I totally buy into the dominance the way we did last year about Seattle being that dominant team.
1: Absolutely. They lost too many players in the offseason to free agency, three defensive linemen, Brandon Browner. It just They just – Breno Giacomini, their tackle. They're just guys. They're just different. And so I feel a little bit bad for Russell Wilson with his receiving core, they play hard and they play well. There's nothing wrong with Doug Baldwin. They're just dead average.
0: They're just a dead average it, receiving
1: group. Yeah. It's, it's not real deep and the tight ends hurt and they're just, you know, they, they're not that explosive. If beast mode's not making a hundred yards, then Russell Wilson has to make a hundred yards. So I don't think they're going to score a lot of points. They're very good on defense. I like their scheme. Byron Maxwell coming back healthy really helps them. And Bobby Wagner came back. They need him just desperately. So, boy, I, I can't wait. If the only glitch it's, I see in this the scheduling, Brian. You got C, the Seahawks traveling to San Francisco on Thanksgiving night, right? And then they they each play a game, and then they play again. I, I don't. I wish that couldn't happen in their schedule. They wouldn't because- shove it
0: into a three week period.
1: Yeah. Because if you have one key guy hurt or two, let's say your quarterback's gimpy or, or your tailbacks out or something, that's, that's really significant to have, you know, to have those two games so close together that are so darn important. I wish they would split. I love playing the division games at the end of the season in December. I wish the other part of that division would be like early in the season and then late in the season, not, not two games within three weeks. That's, that's crazy to me.
0: Well, we talk about the progression of a Russell Wilson and, and a uh, Colin Kaepernick. Let's talk about the progression of another guy that is, whoa, this is huh. uh, RG3 and Washington. Of course, they they lost to San Francisco and, and barely, but that was about as ugly a performance. I did a piece on Playbook. Uh, I don't know what he's looking at. He has regressed so much as a quarterback. We did a piece, and I think Kurt did it on game day morning as well, Yep, where there's guys wide open, and they're the primary guys, and he's just not seeing them, and he's holding the ball. And I know he's been out of it a little bit, but he—I don't—he's got to be staring at the front because he sure as heck isn't looking at the receivers and the and the defensive rotation. I hope there's some quarterback
1: coaches and some young quarterbacks w- listening to us and watching this because you just mentioned you know you don't know what he's seen. You know when when I was coaching quarterbacks for so many years, if there was ever a time where i needed to have a conversation about you know a decision an interception or even a completion didn't matter i would the first thing i usually would say brian to, to the quarterback when he came off the field is what did you see and and he needed to tell me well i saw the free safety move i saw cover two i saw the blitz my hot was i want you need him to see the right thing and you are hit it right on the head you're exactly right Kurt showed a tape where he had corner routes wide open. The flats were even wide open. And he ended up taking a sack. And you wonder if his vision from the pocket is such that he understands where everybody is, what the defense sh- should be doing. And, and then, and then as you know, when he gets under duress, his eyes come off his work and end up looking at the defensive linemen sometime. And, of course, you can't get anything done then either. So what do you see? It's Because it's, um, he's certainly athletic enough. He works at it enough. Um, he just he needs to be back in that pocket and drilled and drilled and drilled. He needs to be a better quarterback uh, in terms of his vision.
0: I used to ask my quarterbacks the same thing until I had Jim McMahon, and he threw a free safety, jumps around underneath and gets intercepted, and I came off, and I'm trying to be the good coach. I go, what did you see? And he looked at it in a normal Jim uh, fashion went, obviously not the free safety <laughs> I mean, it's like is that all you got for me i mean i know i oh, missed right him I that's why i threw right. the pick so
1: when when he left you guys uh we signed him in green bay right because we fired we fired one of our quarterbacks in the middle who checked on a play against the vikings tj rubley anyway so we brought in jim mcmahon to the packers and it was like, ah, oh, is this going to work with Favre? Because they're both crazy. Is it gasoline and matches? Or oh is this going to be a match made? Favre in and Jim McMahon so, in the
0: same meeting room? Oh, my God. This is
1: like in November. This is like cold time. Jim McMahon shows up at our facility in a fur coat. Fur coat all the way down, sunglasses on. He walks in. and I'm going, oh, my God. I got to coach this guy. This is going to be, I'm going to get battle pay here. Combat pay, and so it was. But you know what? He was fun. He Tell me, he had something
0: on underneath that fur coat.
1: This time he did. Okay, yeah. this time, this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked to my golf tournament a couple of years ago. He did the whole the whole day barefoot. Yeah. Okay.
0: We could we hmm. could do the whole we could do this whole <laughs> podcast on on Jim uh, McMahon. No question about that. Um, you know, well let, let's let's finish off. Let's bring it full circle because last week we talked about. The you know, RG3 afterwards, and then what Jay Gruden said, and they both kind of walked it back during the week and whatever. Let's talk about that relationship because we speculated before because there's always something special between the play caller and the quarterback. Not necessarily the head coach and the quarterback, maybe the same, but always a play caller and the coordinator. And going forward and then watching what we saw in San Francisco, I'm not sure how this relationship goes forward. I'm not
1: sure either, and... And I think – I really do think one of the reasons that Jay Gruden got the job because he's a player's coach, he's a younger guy, you know, been a player, did the arena thing, and he's comes to good genes and all that stuff, right? And I think their initial impression was that this guy would be able to salvage uh rg3 and the commitment that they made to rg3 giving up all those draft choices and they want him to be the face of the organization and the and the guy who runs you know who who leads them and and right now it doesn't look like they're headed in that direction and it's unfortunate because i i think a lot of both guys um but you know they're losing and and RG3's not playing very well. You know, poor guy. He was dynamite his rookie year. He was fantastic his rookie year. And then he got hurt. And then he hasn't been the same since. He hasn't gotten his mojo back for whatever the reason, it seems. And I'm rooting for him. But with Jay, it seems like they're button heads already. And, and so I don't know where he goes. Do he keep trying to play him? I think so. But at some point, uh, with, with the, in the team's eyes, do they feel that RG3 is the guy uh, or do they do they feel, hey, coach, move on, he's never going to be able to do it for us? Wow, I don't that, know the answer. That answers. would
0: be huge for that because, like you said, they brought Jay in for that. Could they? and We both would not endorse it and, and know that this thing can go forward, but does management panic a little bit and go, well, look, we brought this guy Jay Gruden in to make him better and it didn't work? So do we have to do something else after just one year? They've done that before, Jim Zorn. And,
1: I know they've done that before. Yeah,
0: so I ho- I hope it doesn't turn out not. that way. Let, let's talk about, again, just real briefly a situation. We've got to talk a little bit about Mike Smith and the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the game, the decision. And we're not going to beat up here whether it was the wrong decision because it's always looked through the prism of did it work or did it not work. Let's just talk about, it. and for those that saw the game, obviously, calling a timeout on a third down. Um, that otherwise might have been called by Cleveland, so you don't bring the clock down. Then they throw up a fade on the third down. That stops the clock again. They kick the field goal, and that gives Cleveland time to come back. With three timeouts at 45 seconds, they move back to position and kick the field goal. Let's talk about the decisions, how we as coaches made that kind of decision. Let's try to talk about what they could have been talking about in that sequence of using the timeout and the play call they made.
1: Well, first of all, you're always, you are always you know how many timeouts that you have, but you also have to know how many timeouts the other team has and kind of take a guess as to how they're going to use their timeouts. Well, with Mike, you know, he took the timeout after a second down completion, right? And it was third and two, he took the timeout. Well, to you know, if Cleveland had no more timeouts left, you just simply run the ball right there and run it all the way down and kick the field goal, right? But... But he knew darn well he could throw the football right now on third and two. If it's incomplete, you're going to stop the clock, which you, you, you want to make it complete. But even if it's complete, Cleveland's going to take their, one of their timeouts. So he could have, you know, it, it, was, it was a situation Mike had to say, the clock's going to stop after this play, whether it's incomplete or whether we complete it, because Cleveland's got a full boatload of timeouts. And it was just unfortunate for Mike that you know he he gave Cleveland forty four seconds, you know you and you the, and the
0: three timeouts that's where all your timeouts you can look at it and you're right, you're exactly right. you have to account for what your timeout situation is, but what is there, so they're going to be able to stop the clock, and he even said after the game, and that was a little bit of it was unfortunate to come out that way, but it was very honest, had we not called it, Cleveland would have called the timeout well, then let yeah. them. I understand yeah. wanting to have make a one, an a orchestrated goal. third down call. He said that they they had made the decision beforehand, that that was outside. You know, Matt Bryant. You know, at the end of the game, if you've got to make a 60-yard field goal to win, you, you, you send him in. But I used to do the same thing with Matt Stover, one of the best kickers ever in the game. Matt, tell me your range here. And we were outdoors, yeah. so, okay, if we're going this way, tell me where you need it and what's the limit. I mean, if you've got to go and you make it, you got to make it. But if I'm having to make the decision during the course of the game and have a choice – then tell me where your limits are because i don't want to how do you turn to a kicker and say can you make this well what man's going to go well you know what coach i don't think i can well he, he's not going to give you that response
1: i remember i that that happens you know because you're always the wind how far is this, you know the, all that kind of stuff i remember you know trying to find my kicker and he's always he's never <laughs> standing right next to he was he's over there in that net they have that net that they love. You know, if you ever need to give a kicker a Christmas present, buy him a net. And so I, I had to go run over there. Can you make it from 53 or not? I don't know, coach. How's the wind? And so, <laughs> right now not- you know, okay, this guy's not going in. <laughs> oh, kicker's driving Oh, it's nuts. a tough
0: one. And so but I guess the biggest thing I would say is if you're going to call the timeout on third down, then you've you got to throw a high percentage pass or run. Don't give him another clock stoppage with the potential for an incompletion. So your
1: problem was the play call? Well, the the combination
0: of, of, okay, if you want the more orchestrated call, use the timeout, but then the throwing up the low percentage fade afterwards, which is also going to stop the clock. If I'm going to use a timeout, I'm going to make them use at least one timeout. Mm-hmm. By running the ball or throwing a, a more high percentage pass. So yeah, it's uh, and and the fact that it turned out the other way. If he doesn't drive the length of field, kick a field goal, then we're not questioning it as much. But obviously, where Atlanta is right now, it's a tough situation for Mike Smith. Let's move to a more positive. We we both talked about that Odell Beckham. You know, we've been talking about it here at uh, NFL Network all all day long, all around the country. Greatest yeah. catch, greatest catch you've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. pretty good, huh? I,
1: See, I was flying home, you know, after I was working with you guys yesterday. And I was flying home, so I had my wife tape the game, so I watch it. And I, I, I watch it after she goes to bed. And then I, the, he made that catch, and I woke her up. I said, <laughs> so you got to see you this. you got to see this catch.
0: Would she appreciate what? it?
1: What? No, she didn't appreciate it at all. I said, you have to see this catch. And the funny thing is. For the broadcast, just before this, Brian, they were showing this kid in pregame warm-ups. Doing Did the same thing, that? wasn't it? Yep. It was all the same thing. Yep. Great job by hand. NBC. Yes. And play the music to it. And that. <laughs> are you kidding me? It's the reaching
0: behind. And you know, here's the other thing. <laughs> At some <laughs> point, right here, first the reach behind, but as he's going down, you know he's thinking, I'm not bringing the other hand in. I'm not. I know, I, you know what,
1: that's. That's what shocks me. Why not the other hand?
0: Because I think it's I a conscious this? going, I know I've got one of the great all-time catches ever. I'm not even, I'm going to get up. I'm not even going to touch it with my left hand. Now, when does it occur? How good an athlete are you to, for that to occur to you? That, you know what? I'm not even going to put my left hand on it.
1: That's crazy. I mean, this kid has got so much athletic confidence that I just, it was unfortunate that he was hurt, he had the hamstring early in the year, and now Victor Cruz is hurt because can you imagine both of those guys on the field in the slot at the same time? My God, uh, they would be dynamic who's, who's the best kid,
0: who's the best hands you ever had? Um,
1: Jerry Rice, come yeah, on yeah, come on. Really Jerry, though? I mean
0: yeah, he can be the greatest of all time, but did he have the greatest hands? the really the best yeah, yeah, hands he
1: great you can, you can see some of his one hand catches yeah. um, on film and all that stuff. he'd pull them in. And he would do it in practice, too. And, uh, you know, he he was the best of all time, but he was... So I got to go back and do
0: playbook with Sterling Sharp and tell him that Sterling Sharp wasn't the best?
1: I'll tell you what, though. Let me tell you about Sterling Sharp because you know he's nuts, all right? And so, but Sterling Sharp grew up as a quarterback. He was recruited to South Carolina. He was a quarterback, okay? And then eventually became a wide receiver. So Sterling Sharp, you know how hard he works, I mean, he used to bench press 360 reps before games. I go, what are you doing, man? He goes, I'm just getting loose. Anyway, so he, but he had this habit. It was an obsession that he would catch 100 passes before every practice and before every game. Well, who had to do it? Gruden had to do it, John Gruden, because he was his receiver coach, and and it was like Gruden would go, "Oh my God, his arm just limp." Yeah. I have to do this again, <laughs> and so. But Sterling, you know, high catches, low catches over here, but all the different catches, and he was a fanatic that way. But he had great hands, man. He didn't drop many passes in games. He was.
0: Well, be- hmm. How about you? Yeah, well, Chris Carter, you know, I had Chris for nine sir. years, and the same thing. It never ceased to amaze me through his entire career. That Chris after practice and I'm the same thing. I wore I didn't have to throw it, but I wore my hand out and my arm out with the jugs machine every uh-huh. day after practice, one-handed, right-handed, left-handed, back turned, high, sure. low. I mean, three three times a week he'd get on that jugs machine to end practice and work on those eye-popping, one-handed grab. And then he had such great body presence and ability. You know, and I had Randy Moss. Of course, Randy that was just yep. a sheer freak of nature in terms of what he was able to do in terms of the catching the ball. But Chris Carter probably had the best hands of any receiver that, uh, you know, we're lucky to be around guys like that. And it's just yeah. an innate sense. They just see the ball. I'm convinced they see the ball. Differently than you and I. They don't know anything different because they've been their way the whole well, life. They just see you know, it. It must be as big as a basketball to them.
1: Yeah, they can track the ball and all of that. And, they, you know, there's something natural about it, too. Some people, though, think they come out of the womb catching balls. These guys work at it. They work at it yeah, and that's, that's like crazy, key. too.
0: Yeah. And and the young people got to recognize that, that you can have that innate ability, but to to work at it, like you talked about Sterling, I got Shannon Sharp the same way, his brother, obviously, and Shannon had great hands and just had a sense for it and a sense of body, you know, where the ball was compared to my body and just had that that unique sense. So we were lucky to be around great players like that. Well, thanks for joining us for the Coach's Show. Uh, make sure you check us out every week at the same time, also streaming on NFL.com.